0: Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Part four. I will try to piece this together. And we'll see if I can finish it this evening. If not, we may do a further fifth part. We'll see how the Lord leads on this. So much I want to tell you. But I want to do a recap to try and bring you up to speed. Where we are in this series or study. First one at the same time came the disciples unto Jesus saying who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said verily I say unto you except ye be converted become as little children ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Father, thank you for your presence, for your anointing, and for everyone that you have brought to this house, not just this morning, but again this evening, to hear your word to worship your son. And Father, we pray now that you would open our understanding. And Lord, if there's things that are said that are hard to grasp, that are hard to swallow, that are against our orthodox teaching, we ask you, Lord, that you would make us palpable unto what you would have us to know and to receive Lord if there's something comes from my lips that is not of you then remove it from our minds and our hearts but I pray that you'd lead me in all things that would be said and Lord that whatever is said would be to the glory of your son to the edification of the saints and Lord we pray thy kingdom come Glorify your name. For Jesus' sake we ask it. Amen. The disciples asked the Master, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And as we've said before, let us say it again. This was asked of him when our Lord was looking toward Calvary when he's heading to a cross to bear our sin and shame and his mind is fixed on you and me, on our redemption, when his mind is fixed on the pain and the shame and the agony and the suffering of the cross, his mind is focused on the task at hand, his mind is focused on coming under the full Sovereign will of the Father. And while Calvary is on his beautiful mind, while the cross is looming there, and death is right before him. Remember, he is the God of all life and living. And now death looms before him. And remember, he has never known what sin is like. And your sin and mine is about to be placed upon him. And in his beautiful mind, he's thinking of me lost and in my sin. He's thinking of men and women who are lawbreakers. That is breaking the law of God. He's thinking of men and women who have wandered astray. He's thinking of you and me lost sheep. And while he's thinking this, the disciples are arguing between themselves. Notice that, they're arguing between themselves. Who's going to be the greatest? Some things never change. They're arguing between themselves and they decide to ask the Lord. In fact, if you remember, the the mother of James and John, in another account, she comes and petitions the master for her sons also, to one to sit on the left hand and the other on the right. And the idea of this study uh, over these past few weeks has been this that we will see exactly who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, but we will also see that in that kingdom, I've said it before, let me say it again, this kingdom is not somewhere where we float off on a cloud. We want to take away from men and women's ideology, which has been uh, put across in movies from Hollywood. That there's pop stars and actors and uh, and theatre stars and all sorts of famous people walking around some cloud-filled street in a white suit playing. Uh, maybe a white grand piano sliding down a spiral staircase, singing to one another and saying, glad to meet you up here, chap, you know. And it's all Hollywoodized, it's mongrelized. And men have taken the scriptures and they have taken them and they have pasteurized them. In other words, they have boiled the life out of the word of God until there's very little meaning left of truth in it. Let's bring us down again to where it's meant to be. In our Lord's prayer, or if you want the disciples' prayer, He said, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Listen, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is coming in its fullness. The kingdom of God is within us as as joy and righteousness and peace in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God is the ruling reign now preparing men and women for the fullness of the kingdom of God to come when Christ breaks the skies and returns again in power and glory to sit upon his throne to set up his millennial kingdom. And at that millennial kingdom, at the beginning of it, old Satan will be bound for a thousand years cast into a bottomless pit and then after a thousand years as Christ has ruled and reigned in righteousness listen, with a rod of iron over all the nations and all the kings and all the queens and all the presidents and all the prime ministers and all the governors and all the politicians they'll all come before the king of kings and the lord of lords and they will bow the knee at Christ all of those who denied him all of those who took his law out of the schools and the governments and the universities will see the God of heaven revealed in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and when he sits upon his throne, they will come and bow before him. Brothers and sisters, I've been trying to tell you these last few weeks to get the reality of the kingdom into our hearts and into our minds. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? I started with this in part one. Let me mention it again. John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, that old Puritan, was once asked a question, a question about heaven. And John Bunyan uh, could not answer on the matter, but this is what he said back to the inquirer. He looked up the scripture's And the inquirer's question was not answered in the word of God. So he turns and he says to the inquirer, live a holy life and go and see. And people ask us about the kingdom of heaven and things of God that we just do not understand or comprehend. And it's impossible at this time just for us because if it's not revealed in the word of God then we cannot give you an answer. But week after week, what we've done is we have brought out the word of God and we have showed you the coming of the Lord and we have showed you the beam of seed of Christ and we have showed you the great white throne judgment and we have showed you the lake of fire where all things will be consumed. We have showed you it time and time again, but we have also showed you the authority and the privilege showed you the rulership and the reign and the leadership of the overcoming body in Christ, that in that kingdom they will rule and they will reign with him. Going on from a thousand years, at the end of a thousand years, Satan is loosed. When Satan is loosed, he causes havoc and tries to cause war again, as though Christ is no longer in charge or in control, nor sitting upon his glorious throne. He rises up and he causes the hearts of men and women who did not receive him by faith, but because they saw him by the eye, they have bowed the knee and proclaimed him as Lord, and their hearts were far from him. He stirs up their heart again to make war against the Christ of God, but the Lord Jesus Christ puts him to flight, casts him into a lake of fire, and we roll into the millennial age, and those of us, who at the coming of Christ are changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, with our glorified bodies to be like unto his glorious body, we will rule and reign with him forever and ever and ever. Ask yourself, the saving Christian, where will I be positioned? In the kingdom of God. Where will I be placed in the kingdom of God? This is what we have showed you briefly. We showed you from Revelation 21 verses 3 and 4. How John saw the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. In other words, John saw Christ. At the coming of Christ, you're not going to see two thrones. And you're not going to see two gods or three gods. You're going to see Christ in the center in the glory of the Father. One throne, the throne of God and of the Lamb. He will be the center of all of heaven and of the kingdom of God. The throne of God and of the Lamb are not two thrones, brothers and sisters they the throne of God even off the Lamb. He is the one who sits upon the throne. And God's glory will be within and surrounding all. He is the one who dwells in unapproachable light. And when he comes, you and I will see him as he is. Notice this. God shall wipe away their tears there be no death, nor sorrow, nor crying, neither be any more pain. We're told there's no temple there. And the city hath no need of the sun, nor the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. The Lamb that sits in the glory, the Lamb who radiates all beauty, will fill the heavens and the earth. Don't ask me to explain this. Just have to read it as the scripture says. The God who said, let there be light, and there was light, is the same God who came in the body of flesh and said, I am the light of the world. He's the same God who ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. Or the place of power, in other words. He's the same one who's going to light the whole of the heavens. And that glory is going to come and rest on this earth. Revelation 21, sorry, 22 says, there shall be no more curse that the throne of God and of the Lamb or the throne of God even of the Lamb shall be in it, notice, and his servants shall serve him. In other words, we will be serving Christ. We also have this idea that Christ is going, going to be on a throne, and we're going to be away back with millions and billions of believers looking towards a dot in the distance when we'll all stand and sing the hallelujah chorus forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Dear help us if that's what heaven is, because some people can't worship on earth. It says, His servants shall serve Him. There's going to be service in the kingdom of God. And then we'll run you down again onto 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9. It says, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. We've touched on all of this. This is just a quick recap. The idea here is that you and I are given a commission to go out and to occupy till he comes. Does that mean to sit back and say, Lord, we're helpless? Does that mean to sit back and say, Lord, we're just waiting? Does that mean just to sit back and do nothing? Occupy. When you get an occupying force going into another nation, it means they take charge, they take control of that which they have, and they take over. The church of Jesus Christ should be moving and walking in power and glory of the Holy Ghost, which God has given us, for we are the sons of God. And we should be taking over, taking over the realms of the devil, taking over the realms of the evil spirits taking over governments, taking over legislation like homosexual marriage, standing up and being counted to take away the leprous spots from this island home of ours. We should be standing and being counted in this covenant nation for Almighty God and seeing a change in our land and in our families and homes. That's who we are. The Lord says, occupy until I come occupy. Here we have the man who was given a pound three men one each one makes ten pounds one makes five pounds and the Lord the man taking the journey who tells them they occupy and Luke 19 comes back and he says that they were good servants faithful servants we looked at other ways that the Lord will tell us after giving us gifts and talents and how we should be serving him. Coming to a close of our opening here to move into maybe our final phase of this. And the idea here is that we need to get out of this mindset that we're going to float on the cloud. We're going to slide up and down golden polished streets. Stand against literal pearly gates Maybe some of us will want to grow wings on our back and have a harp and a halo, I don't know. The idea is that God will change you, change your body in a moment and in the twinkling of an eye that you will be able to stand in his glory and that you will serve him forever. What Adam lost in the garden, paradise lost, is paradise regained In Revelation chapter 21 and 22, Christ came to regain that which Adam had lost. And Adam's race will regain all in Christ. We will regain all in Christ. Communion with Christ. And fellowship with God in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we will serve him. Adam was to look after the garden. Adam didn't play a harp and have halo and wings. Adam was a creature, was a human being with a a, a glorious coat of, of righteousness, if you want, a glorious beam of light around him, a garment of light. When he fell in the garden, and death came, and sickness came, sin brought forth death, And Adam lost that wonderful garb that the Master had placed on him in the Garden of Eden. In Christ, when he returns, we will regain it. We have the robe of righteousness at the moment, but when Christ returns, this old fleshy body the body that aches and the body that creaks that you have the body that takes headaches and worries and stresses and and the bodies that have cancerous tumours and the bodies that have, have arthritis and are crippled and twisted with it we need to be seeking God now to occupy over these things because we are being prepared for a kingdom that is to come Christian you're being prepared No matter how you feel about yourself or think about yourself, God is preparing a people for his kingdom that is coming. The rule and reign of God in our lives and even as we heard this morning and we we praised and worshipped this morning, God had spoken and said, give me your heart because it's the one, the man and the woman who have a full heart for God. That heart is the heart that God will give more to. Like the man with 10 pounds and the man with 5 pounds who made 10 pounds and who made 5 pounds for his master's return. The man with the 1 pound who buried it and hid it when his master came back. He says, Take the pound from him and give it to him that hath 10. But master, he hath 10 already, they say. He says, he that hath given will be taken from him. In that kingdom, all believers. Now notice, I said believers. We're saved by grace through faith. It's not works for salvation under any means or method. But we will serve Christ in the kingdom. Trying to get this mindset everywhere I go, whether it's on Christian television or wherever you go, everywhere you go, it's, we have such a, a a will-o'-the-wisp, airy, furry thing about heaven and men make up stories what we're going to be doing in heaven and we're going to be doing certain things that just are not in the word of God. But everything that I've told you over the weeks, go back and read the scriptures. It's in the word of God. It's in the word of God. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He whom men will serve. He is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. His name is Jesus. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to show you a couple of scriptures before we, we move on a little. showed you this last week. If you go with me, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I can't get away from these. I've been thinking about them, praying over them, studying around them, can't get away from them. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now, this is not to unbelievers. This is to believers. This is to you, Christian, already saved by grace through faith. This is to you, Christian, who are trusting solely in the blood of Jesus. Your lifestyle, how you live, where you go, where you take yourself, how faithful we are to God and what we do before God, what we speak with our lips, what we believe with our hearts, how we walk in our ways, everything how we serve with the gifts and the talents and the abilities and how faithful we are to the ministries that God has given us, we will stand before him and give an account. even showed you last week, I will give an account for what I have taught you. I will stand before God and say, Lord, I have taught them to the best of my ability. We'll give an account of what we have done. Oh, this is solemn. This is solemn, but you know, see if it stirs our hearts. You'll fall in love with him and say, Jesus, I just want to serve you more. Turn with me for a moment to First uh, Corinthians chapter 3, please. First Corinthians chapter 3. And let's read a few verses here. 1 Corinthians 3 and verses verse 9. I've already read this earlier. Just stay with me. For we are neighbors together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. I told you about God's husbandry. Talking about the tender plant that was planted in the vineyard. Israel is the vine. The Jews are the fig tree. And here he's planted in the tender vine as Christ growing up a root out of a dry ground as Isaiah 53 says. And here he goes up before the Father and he's he's rejected by them. And he's accepted by us. Notice what it says, you are his husbandry. In John 15 he says, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. My father is the gardener, the divine gardener who planted Israel. The divine gardener who planted his son. And the divine gardener who brought him for our salvation. We are his husbandry and God has planted you. Brother, God has planted you, sister. God has planted you in His ministry. God has planted you in prayer. God has planted you to praise and to worship. God has planted you to serve Him. He has taken you and He's saved you and He's forgiven you and He's justified you and He's made you righteous in His sight and He's planted you to go out and preach the gospel unto every creature. To lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. To cast out the devils. Occupy till I come he says. Oh. Christ says I am the true vine. I am the true Israelite. (laughs) Praise his name. And me he says ye are. The Israelite of God. Notice what he says here. In verse 10, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, notice, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth. Notice, let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is led, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, notice, gold, silver, precious stones, Wood, hay, stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work what sort it is. Listen. God will try our lives before him. I'm not talking about your salvation, brother or sister. I'm talking about our service. I'm talking about our faithfulness. I'm talking about our heart worship and our love for him and what he has placed us in and what he's given us to do. And he'll say, now let's try and see how you fare. And he puts it through the fire of testing. And there'll be gold and silver and precious stones. In other words, there'll be good work built on Christ. And then there'll be wood, hands, stubble, which will be burned up. Burned right up before him. It says it'll be made manifest. It means it'll be laid open and bare. He didn't build this for my kingdom, but for your own. I'm going to tell you something. There's many ministers are building their own kingdom too. Solemn tonight, isn't it? How will we be before him? How will we be before him? Turn with me to First Corinthians chapter 6. first. First Corinthians 6, verse 2, please. Notice, here's how we rule and reign with him. Notice this. We never hear too many people preach on this. Look, first 2. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? Who is a saint? Is a saint someone that's canonized by the pope? Is that a saint? No, it is not. You know what a saint is? A saint is a sinner saved by grace of God. Notice what it says here: "Know you not that we shall? Know you not that saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you worthy to judge the smallest matters?" Notice. Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? There's going to come a time when those who are the overcoming body. Oh, but will you tell you something preacher? Hold on a minute pastor. The Bible says we, and they overcame him the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. It does say that. But finish it off. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. They loved not their own selves, their own life. They loved Christ more. He's what counts. He's what matters. Jesus, Jesus only. Oh, if I have Jesus, Jesus only, I'll possess a cluster rare says the hymn And they love not their lives unto death. We who are overcomers at the coming of Christ, who love him because he first loved us, who are blood-washed, blood-bought, and spirit-filled, serving Christians. Say, serving, is there a backslider in the room tonight? Is there someone wandered away, someone strayed at heart. Backslider listening to this message and God is calling you and saying my son is coming soon. It's like we sang tonight when the bridegroom cometh will your robes be white, pure and white in the blood of the Lamb. Will your souls be ready for the mansions bright are you washed in the blood of the Lamb. Jesus is our great bridegroom and he's coming. Jesus is even at the doors. We're going to judge angels. We're going to judge the world. Now Christ is the judge, but it means we will sit in administration in the law of God. That's what it means. Christ will have his administrators all over the earth. (laughs) Can I ask you something, be honest? I asked us, the last, I think it was the first or second week. I said, has anybody ever heard this teaching? And I think two people put their hands up and went on the way out. Some of the older people said, we used to hear that all the time in the temple. <laughs> I asked you a question. Be honest. Don't be afraid now. Have you heard this before? Would you raise your hand? Yeah. See, quite a few there. Quite a few haven't. Because we're told that, you know, i fly away, O glory, I'll fly away. And I believe in the catching away of the saints. And I believe in the returning of the saints. But I believe in living right for Christ. It's true the old poet said, there's only one life and will soon be past." It's only what's done for Christ will last. In the world of apathy and apostasy, in a world of sinfulness, in a world of secularism and humanism and multicultural faithism. And, oh, in world, it's just a, an evil, depraved, degraded, filthy state, as it were, in the days of Noah. So shall it also be in the coming. The days of the coming of the Son of Man, Jesus said. Now notice this. Turn with me to Second Thessalonians chapter 1, please. Second Thessalonians chapter 1. And you know, when when I preach a message like this, I am conscious that people might think I'm being hard or strong or maybe I shouldn't preach it or whatever. Let me tell you something, brethren. Let me say, sisters, the reason I bring this to you and to all that could hear it, the reason I bring it is this is because I love your soul. Second Thessalonians chapter one, verse seven. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Now you see the word reveal. It's a word "apocalypse." It's where we get the word apocalypse from. You know, the, the end of time, as it were, the apocalypse. It's where we get the word revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ, the great apocalypse. It means to show forth, to make manifest To lay completely bare. In other words, when Christ returns, he's not coming secretly. He's laying himself and all his glory and all of his angels completely bare in the heavens that we will see him. He's coming. Who's read the book? They get great planet Earth, or who's read the the, the, the book about the catching away of uh, uh, what's the name of it? The little secret every planes crashing and all. Who's who's read those books? Throw them out. They're men's imagination. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the Word of God. First Thessalonians chapter 4. We read it last week. Folks, if you think that I'm not bringing the Word of God, all I've done is read God's Word. Verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep or died, that you sorrow not even which others would have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain to the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. In other words, if we're alive and Jesus comes, we're not going to be what people call raptured or the translation or the catching away of the saints. We will not go before them. Notice what it says in verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. In other words, those who are dead in Christ, lying in the ground, in the cemetery, will rise first. What's secret about that? The Bible says that, not me. Now notice. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. Here is the rapture doctrine theory. Together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air so shall we ever be with the Lord. When that happens and the dead are raised first When that happens, you'll hear the shout, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. The graves will open of the dead in Christ. Then when they get changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, those of us who are alive and remain will be caught up and we will be changed. We'll be glorified. Our bodies will be different. Like the body of Jesus. First, that's our first Corinthians, please. Chapter 15. Chapter 15. And we're not going from there to float to heaven. We're going there to meet the Lord in the air. And we're returning with Christ to root and reign with him. 1st Corinthians 15. Let your eye run down. To verse 51 Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed. In other words, our son will be dead, and our son will be alive. We'll not all die because we'll soon be alive when Christ returns. But we will all be changed. My body will be changed. Your body will be changed. From front to the back of this room who are trusting in Christ, our bodies will be changed. The overcoming body of Christ will receive the garment of light. No more death. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more hurt, no more sickness, no more disease, no more aches, no more stress, no more worries. None of it will be changed to be like him. So I am getting carried away. I do have to get myself together here. Get my breath back to be like him. Hey, we sing to be like Jesus. All I ask is to be like him. And the father says, you keep serving Son, because you are going to be like him. I'm working in you now that when I come, my word will be in you. Remember I brought you back to the time that says, and they shall see his face in glory. Remember? And I says, you will see his face. His name shall be in their forehead. What do you mean his name shall be in their forehead? Oh well there's going to be an antichrist that'll come in between all this secret rapture stuff and we're going to, we're going to have an antichrist who will, who will put, put his name in your forehead and you're going to run around with the name of I, I, whoever's name is. Mr. 666 or something. It's on our heads and it's on our hands we're told and his name shall be in their foreheads. Well listen, the Bible says Jesus' name will be in my forehead. Do you know what that means? That every day even when days cease to be that throughout eternity my heart that I'm yielding to the word of God now. That I'm bowing to the will of God now. And I'm struggling against it in my flesh but the flesh is yielding to the spirit within me and I'm serving God now. What it means is this. Is that every day if I could use that in eternity, that every day that will be developed, my body is already changed, I will be serving him with a full heart, full of the word of God, full of the law of the Lord in my life, full of the grace of God, pulsating with the Holy Ghost, and Christ will be, It'll be Jesus in my mind in the morning. It'll be Jesus as my King in the afternoon. It will be Jesus in the evening. And it will be Jesus at night. The only thing is, there is no night there. So all day, the, the, there's no sun there. All day, as it were, the glory will shine. And as the glory shines for eternity, it's Jesus, 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 Jesus. I worship Jesus. See, I get excited about those sort of things because I can't wait to see his face. Let me get my breath (laughs) again. How you meant to put that online? The Americans will not know what I'm talking about, they'll not get the accent. Behold, I show you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Notice we are changed. In a moment an atom of time. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on in corruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on in corruption. And this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. Notice that. When I'm changed. When you're changed. When Christ comes to lift up as it were. His overcoming sense. That that he's bought with his own blood. And he calls us. Like. Like metal to a magnet. And as he changes us in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. The scripture that was preached about and prophesied over in the Old Testament. That there's coming a day. There's going to be a change. Happens to you and me. And the death is swallowed up in the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ. As he raised from the dead on the third day on Jerusalem. Oh what am I going to say anyway. I'm just getting carried away in His wonder and love. Can you imagine it, brother? Can you imagine it, sister? I'm a too much for you. I'm a too much tonight. What's wrong? Clear those floors over there. Jump over here, man. I'm taking off. I'm going to be caught up in a minute without the Lord even coming here over this pulpit. I'm a too much. He will change you, brother, even if you're rotting in the grave. And he'll call you by your name. And the dead will hear his voice like, Lazarus, come forth. The dead come out of the tomb, being dead for days. You and I will rise from the grave if we go to the grave. And we will be changed. Then will come to pass that saying, death is swallowed up in the victory of Christ. You do know we am going to have to do another night of this, don't you? Well haven't we got there yet? We're we'll going to talk about John the Baptist tonight, but if we carry it away again, let's read this and we'll round it up. Verse 54 So when this corruptible have put on the corruption, and this mortal have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying as written Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. (laughs) which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now note this to the church. Note this to you, brother and you, sister. Therefore, therefore, because of all of this, because of all the shouting I've done about the glory of God and the changing when Christ returns, because of what he's done and he is coming, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as ye you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In other words, serve him now because you'll rule with him there. Let me go back to Second Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 7. This is our last. Do you know what tends to happen when I get carried away like that. <clears throat> I'm still up about four o'clock in the morning, buzzing. The eyeballs rolling around my head like a pinball machine. Oh, we love you, Lord. Love you, Jesus. Chapter one, verse seven again. Those who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ notice who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that belief. Because our testimony among you was believed. And not day. I notice what Paul says there in verse 10. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints. Christ is coming in his glory. And his heart's Desire. And the crowning glory of his work on Calvary is bringing many sons to glory. Is seeing you changed as an overcoming saint of God who has loved him and served him in truth, in spirit and in truth, you've worshipped him. And when you're changed and you're drawn unto him, as Isaiah the prophet said in Isaiah 53, he shall see. The travail of his soul, he shall be satisfied. Christ is coming in glory; he is glorified in his saints. Notice, and I love this, and to be admired in all them that believe. In that day we will admire him, stand in awe stand and wonder at the grace that has kept us thus far and the power of God through faith that has led us on with himself in our waywardness and our wanderings and we will admire him and we will say well I will say oh Lord Jesus there is no one like you Lord I love you and I worship you you deserve the glory fortunately I forgot to tell you about John the Baptist tonight and tend to who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven will be this in the Lord's will we'll look at it one more night And all of that going on, sure he's the greatest. We argue among ourselves, yet it's only by grace we have anything of him. And he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. But he became the greatest servant. He is the one who came fully under the word of God. Where Adam failed to listen. And he served the Father to the fullness. And now he's raised up to glory. Well, look at this little child in the Lord's will next week. He'll sit, Jesus sat in the midst and says, if you accept you become as a little child, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And he tells us to be like that little child means to become the greatest. Does that mean everyone's the greatest? (laughs) Does not indeed. Brother, sister, let's press into God for Christ is coming. He's even at the door. God bless his word. Thank you for your...